Our first uh, scripture reading in the morning is from the Old Testament, from the prophet Isaiah. I'll be reading in two different places, first from uh, chapter 7 and then from chapter 9. I invite you once again to follow along on the screen. Then Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you, two weary mortals, that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child, and shall bear a son, and shall name him Emmanuel. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second uh, scripture reading uh, swings us over to the New Testament, to the Gospel of Matthew. And I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. The birth of Jesus Christ. Now, the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I'll kick things off by asking you a question, and that is, have you ever thought about the meaning of your name? And by this, I mean your first name, the name that your parents gave you when you were born. My father's name is John and he passed that name down to me. However, I am technically not a junior because my father does not have a middle name. He jokes that he was too poor to be able to afford one. <laughs> my middle name is Paul. My parents may have had dreams that I would someday be a pope. How disappointed they must have been when I became a Presbyterian minister. Well, uh, names are what we are looking at today, and I'm, I'm starting this sermon series this Advent season that I'm calling a Christmas playlist, and each week we're going to be examining the meaning behind these wonderful carols that we love to sing at this time of year. And this morning, we are looking at the carol, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Of all of the Christmas carols, this one has probably been sung the longest. It was first published into English in the mid-1800s by an Anglican priest. 
And he discovered it in a centuries-old Psalter that was written in Latin. And then traced back through the centuries, the verses in Latin were first sung around the mid-ninth century. Now, each of the seven traditional verses, we don't have all the verses in our hymn, but we have four, uh, are focused on one particular biblical name or characteristic that comes uh, about the Messiah from the Old Testament. And as Christians, we believe that these Old Testament prophecies and promises were then fulfilled in the coming of Jesus Christ. In fact, the medieval church used these seven names in what they call their Advent Vesper service uh, in the, in every day in the week leading right up to Christmas Eve. So when we sing, our voices are joined with those who have gone before us, those faithful saints of the ages who longed in their hearts for God to come near. Now, I want you to consider all the different names used in this carol. We'll see the carol at the end of the service to describe the one whom we hope and long for at Christmas. Emmanuel, that's from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Dayspring, Isaiah 9, 2. Wisdom, Isaiah 11, verses 2 and 3. Desire of nations, that comes from Haggai chapter 2, verse 7. Lord of might, Exodus 19, 18. Root of Jesse, Isaiah eleven ten, And key of David, Isaiah 22, 22. Names are really, really important because they help to identify a person, but a name can also be used to describe a person. And Jesus Christ, who is described in this parable, is the one to whom we sing in order to satisfy the deepest desires of our heart. You know, a struggle for new parents is what to name their child, right? You may have had that challenge. And so the prophet Isaiah sort of piles up really, really high the names and titles that this baby will be known for. This baby will be wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. I love the little seven-year-old girl when she heard that said, I'll never be able to spell that by the first grade. <laughs> well, 600 years later, a man named Joseph awakens out of, the, out of a sound sleep in the middle of the night, and he has to shield his eyes from the bright light of an angel who is standing at the foot of his bed. And the angel says, your fiancé is going to give birth to a baby boy, and it's going to fulfill the promise of God spoken through the prophet Isaiah. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Now today, we give our children names after a mom or a dad or a favorite uncle or a grandparent or a family last name, or maybe simply because we like the sound of that name. And yet there is no other name that could best describe who Jesus was and what he came to do than the name found in the title of the carol, Emmanuel. Now, what's interesting to me is that we don't have any evidence in any of the Gospels where Jesus is ever called Emmanuel. Instead, what we have is John's Gospel in the first chapter where it says, the word became flesh and lived among us. But any way you want to slice it, this baby who is coming to us and for us is God. So that when we say Jesus is Emmanuel, God is with us, we are saying everything that God means in our lives. He is our creator, the desire of all nations, 
Redeemer, infinite, holy, and of course, Savior. That means worthy of the obedience of Mary and Joseph, worthy of the adoration of the shepherds, worthy of the gifts of the Magi, worthy of the martyred deaths of the apostles in the early church, worthy of the acknowledgement of the centurion who watched Jesus suffer and die on the cross and then say, truly this man was God's son. And worthy of our being here in this room and those of you watching online and singing, come thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free and rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Jesus is God, but he is God with us. I saw my first Christmas joke on the internet this week. Why was little boy afraid of Santa? Why was little boy afraid of Santa? Because he had claustrophobia. I said it was the first joke. I didn't say it was the funniest. Well, into the fears and dangers of this world, Jesus was born in a manger to be with us right here. Because let's be honest, we don't live in heaven. We don't live on cloud nine. We don't live with Santa and his elves at the North Pole. We live in a really dangerous and scary world, don't we? We live in a world of fear and abandonment of broken families, a world of cancer, Alzheimer's, heart disease, poverty, violence, war, terrorism, and yes, a world of holiday decoration squabbling. Jesus, out of his love for you and me, by the Father, was knit together by the Holy Spirit inside a woman. And he was born, not as some glow-in-the-dark child in a nativity scene, or as some unapproachable, valiant warrior, but Jesus was born as one whose first cries pierced the night of that dark world. And then he was born as a real, live, sleeping, eating, fussing, crying baby. And you know what? None of that could have ever happened if he, Jesus had not been born in the flesh. There was a little girl who was having a lot of trouble sleeping one night in her room because there was a bad storm going on and there was rain and thunder and lightning. And this little girl was afraid. And so she went into her parents' room and said, I'm scared to be alone in my room. And the mom said to her, it's okay, honey. God is with you. And the little girl said, I know that God is with me. It's just that right now, I need someone with skin on. <laughs> Jesus came with skin on in order to get under our skin. He is God in the flesh who came to be with us and for us. In 1 John, it says, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands, this we declare to you. And you know, this is what sets Christianity apart from all the other major religions around the world. This idea is absolutely ridiculous to many other faiths. It's unthinkable that the God of the universe would want to come to be with us. And yet Jesus came as Emmanuel into the muck and the mire of this world in order 
to be there with us. John Mason Neal is the Anglican priest who translated Veni Emmanuel into English. And he was captivated by the cry of that chorus that we will sing in a few minutes. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee. Now, John Mason Neal was, was frail and he was sickly most of his life. He spent time as a missionary. He worked amongst orphans and on behalf of women who were forced into prostitution. And I have a feeling that as he was doing that kingdom work of service, his heart was broken by the experiences of the people that he served. And he had that chorus going over and over in his mind. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee. Friends, what John Mason Neal learned from his life and what he learned from this carol is that the distance between God and us has disappeared, and it's disappeared once and for all. The heavens have been torn open, and God has come down as Emmanuel to be with us in the messiness of life. He has not come to let us stay a mess, but he has come to redeem us from that mess in the mission of his kingdom and as the desire of all nations. At Christmas, God answered this hopeful prayer in the person of Jesus Christ. And here's some more good news. He continues to come because just like a gift keeps on giving, Jesus Christ, our Savior, keeps on coming until we will greet him and on his return to earth, and Jesus, our Savior, will bring everything to its final fulfillment. Now, just a side road for a moment. This, this phrase, God is with us, is rather interesting because the word with in the Greek language is an intensive particle which implies intimacy with us. So just imagine that for a moment, sports fans. God wants to be intimate with us. There's an author by the name of Taylor Jenkins Reid, and she's defined intimacy this way. Intimacy is about truth. When you realize you can tell someone the truth, when you can show yourself to them, when you stand in front of them, and their response is, you're safe with me, that is intimacy. Well, how intimate is God with us? Listen to what Jesus said. I will not leave you desolate. I will come to you. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. In other words, Jesus says, you're safe with me. The late Chuck Colson headed up Prison Fellowship Ministries, and as part of Prison Fellowship Ministries, they initiated something that we kind of do here called the Angel Tree Ministry. It may look a little bit different, but for Prison Fellowship Ministries, Angel Tree Ministry was a way of allowing prisoners to give gifts to their children at Christmas. So Chuck Colson tells about the time that he was bringing a Christmas present from a prisoner to a family of Haitian refugees who were living in a lower income housing project somewhere in Washington, DC. And he arrived at the building, he went inside and it was not the best of places. There was trash piled all around the stairwell. There was gang graffiti on the wall. He was a bit concerned for his own safety, but he continued on, went up the stairs and he found the apartment. He knocked on the door. And the door opened just a little bit, and a boy's face peeked through the crack in the door. And Chuck Colson said, I'm, I'm here to bring a, present, a, a Christmas present from, from, from your daddy. Uh, by the way, what's, what's your name? And the little boy said, Emmanuel. And Chuck Colson said, did you know that your name is in the Bible? 
Well, he shook his head and said, no. And so Chuck Colson pulled out his pocket New Testament, turned to Matthew 1, showed him there that place. Is that your name? Boy, he said, yeah. He said, do you know what your name means? Boy, he said, no. He said, it means God is with us. And the little boy, eyes lit up, and he got a great big smile. He did a 180-degree turn, and he ran back to the apartment yelling, Mommy, Mommy, God is with us. Friends, I'm here to tell you that God is with us. And on this first Sunday of Advent, we can sing and say with a confident assurance, Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to you and me. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Lord God, you are with us. You're with us when we sing our carols. You're with us when we decorate our homes. You're with us when we are driving around, buying Christmas gifts. How we thank you that you loved us so much to want to be with us, for us, and to live in us. As we move through this season of Advent, may we eagerly await your presence to change our lives and the world that you have made. May your desire to be intimate with us inspire us to share with love, your love with those whom we meet throughout this month. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, that we pray these things. Amen.